Hi, this is Matthew Gatosi from the future. Before you jump into this awesome podcast episode, I want you to know that some things have changed around here since this episode was published. This show was called How to Build an Audience, and now it's called How to Market Your D2C Brand. The setup is the same, but we now have more of a focus on who we are talking with and what we are actually talking about. So if you're confused, hopefully that clears it up. Lastly, we also changed our company name from Gutozi Collective to Guto Studios. A lot of rebranding has happened since season one of the podcast, but thanks so much for supporting us as we grow and change. Enjoy this podcast episode, and don't forget to subscribe to the show so you can listen to the new episodes coming out soon. Okay, thanks. Enjoy. When we see Nike's swoosh or Apple's logo, we have an emotional response. These brands have created something greater than good commercials or products. They have created identity. These brands have allowed us to look inwards. As we build our own brand or business, we want to have a finished product and logo that creates emotion. But the work that comes with building something of that caliber takes integrity, consistency, and the active action of becoming. It's not about checking things off a list to get to the next stage of growth or taking a specific path. Building a brand is about identity. The clarity of identity of your brand has to first start with you, the leader. Who you are becoming is more important than what you're doing or where you're going. And that is true for you as a person and for you as a brand. Jason Vanna is a master brand strategist who believes in the core idea of who you are becoming is more important than what you are doing or where you are going. He believes the growth of an audience starts from within and the awareness of self. Looking inwards is scary, but are you ready to move forward bravely? Welcome to episode nine of How to Build an Audience. I'm your host, Matthew Gatozzi. How to Build an Audience is part of Gatozzi Collective, which is the personal marketing team to many businesses. We create photos and videos for your social media. Heck, we even do social media for you. This podcast show will help you grow your business and brand with marketing by interviewing top entrepreneurs and marketers who have proven to build an audience around their businesses and brands. Today, I'm talking with Jason Vanna. Jason is a brand strategist out of Mammoth, Illinois, with an audience that outnumbers the population of his small town of 9,000 people. Jason is paving his own path of success. He has built an audience online teaching people how to create their own brand. Jason gives all of his advice away for free, which I eagerly archive for my personal growth and brand. Beyond his success as a marketer, he has helped build college ministries in Illinois and internationally in the Czech Republic. In this episode, we talk about his journey into marketing. We discuss what he learned about audience building in church ministries. We talk about the power of writing and the importance of self-reflection on your brand and business. If you're loving the show, tweet me at Matthew Gutozzi and we can talk there. Now, let's talk to Jason. So really, I'm, I'm not really sure um, what the, the inciting incident was for me to get into marketing. Um, when I went to college, I initially was going to do uh, government, so pre-law, because I was thinking about being a lawyer. 
Um, and then it was accounting of all things, which I hate numbers and I hate accounting. So I don't know why I was thinking accounting, but I was. And I remember like when I got to campus, the I realized that we didn't, the college I went to didn't actually have a law program. They had a pre-law. And so I would go four years for this pre-law and then have to go to get a law degree. Like you'd still have to get a law degree, but I wouldn't have the basics to get into law school. And I was like, well, that's a stupid waste of four years. So then I was just kind of like looking through and it's like, you know, I've always liked business. So I'll just do business administration. Um, and I did business administration and English as a double major. And what, what just kind of happened was all the business classes that grabbed my attention were marketing classes. It was like advertising and media and all this kind of stuff. And so I'm sitting in these classes and I was like, I really, I really like this. Like we had an advertising class where we learned like, how do you lay out an ad and what is the proper way and what kind of fonts should you use and what kind of titles should you use and what should the focus be? And I was like, this is genius. I love this. And so I was kind of like, this is it. This is what I want to do. And after college, when I graduated, I ended up landing a sales job for a newspaper as an ad salesman. So I'd go into these businesses and convince them that they needed to run an ad in our paper. And I got to help like lay out the ads and determine what was going to go in them. And then what started to happen was my marketing brain kind of kicked in. And so I'd be in these small businesses and be like, you need to run this ad. And oh, by the way, you should think of maybe we should do some flyers for you. Or maybe if you move the product rack you have here to the other side, you get more people um, buying from you. And it was just like, I realized I don't like sales. I like the marketing side. I like helping figure out like what is going to cause people to buy your product, what's going to pull them in. And so I was at, I was in the sales job for five years and that's where I learned, um, I learned graphic design. I learned web design in that job. Um, so it really set me up to do marketing long-term. And then I went and did a job. Uh, there was a student housing complex going into town and they needed a managing director, but because it was new and it hadn't been built yet, basically the whole job for the year that I had it was all marketing. It was how do we get students to buy up these leases? And unfortunately it was in 2008 when the mortgage industry went belly up. So all the banks were like, you want $22 million for what? For housing? No way. So the project didn't happen, but um, it, it was there that I realized, okay, this is what I love. I love doing the ads. I love doing the marketing side. And so from there, I just was looking for jobs in marketing because that was, that was kind of my passion that way. So that was kind of the origin story. It was almost, it was almost by mistake. But when I started doing it, I realized like, I really love it. Cause it really, it really is psychology. How do people think? How do you get them to react in a certain way? And I love that. I love understanding how people think and how they act. And so marketing is just applying that in a business setting. So that's kind of the origin story, so to speak, of how I got into marketing. After graduating college, Jason stayed in his college town of Mammoth, Illinois, a small town of 9,000. There's not a lot of marketing jobs there, but his passion for ministry was in this small town. When So I grew up. I grew up Catholic, um, and when I was younger, like wanted to do the whole I want to be a priest, and like I don't know, like I, there was there was something I wanted to do, but then I realized like priests can't get married, and I was like I want to get married and have kids, so I'm not going to do that. 
Um, so I kind of had that, that foundation of a faith, but then really drifted away from it um, just through some personal issues I had gone through, some of my past. And it was just like, it's not, you know, you kind of hit those teenage years and it's like, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing. So it was when I was in college that I actually came back to, to faith. Um, it's actually probably really the first time I had a real relationship with Jesus um, was in college. And it was, um, I started dating a girl who was Christian and started going to the Christian group that was on campus at that time. And um, I, it was one of those things I'm like, I'm Catholic, I'm going to heaven. It doesn't matter. Like, like I don't know what you guys keep talking about. I'm good. I'm good. Um, and I had one of these moments where the issues that happened in my past with my dad and and kind of all this area that I had been broken in and wasn't dealing with kind of all came to the surface. And I was like, all right, I need God. Like, there's no way I'm going to get through this without him. And I was at this big convention in Decatur, Illinois. And I remember one night they were doing this worship song on like God being a father who never abandons you and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, if that's what God is, that's what I want to follow. All these rules and regulations and all that crap that I knew from growing up as a kid, I don't want that. I want that. And so that's kind of when I made that decision and said, all right, I'm going to follow this God. I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a Christian. And the next day, <laughs> everything, like, it's like he grabbed the rug and pulled it out from underneath me. My girlfriend broke up with me at the conference. Long, long <laughs> ride, car ride home. Um <laughs> That's, just, it, yeah, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. And I just realized, like, it, basically what I tell people is God kind of put his thumb on those issues in my life and said, it's time to deal with this. Like, you're 20. What was I? I was, tw I was 19 turning 20. And he's like, it's, it's time. Like, this stuff is killing you. It's, it's literally killing you. You need to deal with this. And so kind of went through um, a process of dealing with some of that brokenness, going through mentoring, finding healing from all that. Um, and when I was getting ready to graduate college, so I came to college because I wanted to be the like, um, well, not when I first got to college, but when I decided on the business route, it, I had these images of being like CEO of a company and having like the penthouse in the city and the ranch out in the country and all the toys. I was going to have my own private jet and all this stuff. I was going to be wealthy. And I was just like, that's the life I wanted. When God got a hold of me, I realized, you know, that's just cool. Like, not going to lie. It'd be cool to have my own private jet, but that's not, that's not fulfilling. And so really it was right. It was a month before graduation. I just kind of felt this, this calling to stay in, in the area and impact college students the same way I had been impacted when I was a student. And it funny enough, like the college group that I was a part of when I was a student closed down at the end of the year that I graduated. They kind of imploded. And so there was really nothing, nothing really left. And so when I stayed, it was starting something all over again. Um, and that's what, that's what fueled me. Like I, so we, <laughs> it's funny you ask about that because we actually just closed it down last fall. So I'm not doing college ministry anymore. It's very weird transition for me, but it's, it's the right move. Um, but like, it was my passion. I mean, it still is my passion. I love, the, I think one of the main reasons why 
I love branding and marketing so much is it's all about identity and purpose. So marketing is sharing the identity of your business with the people who are going to buy from you. And ministry, at least the kind of ministry I was doing with college students was a lot of helping them discover their identity and helping them understand their purpose, like why they were created, which is the same thing that marketing does on the business level. And so really the two really went hand in hand because it was what I was learning in marketing, I was able to put into ministry because it's like, as I'm going through this process of helping a business understand their brand and identity, it's like, this is a lot like personal development stuff too. Like this is actually, if I took these same questions and asked an individual, it's going to help them understand who they are and vice versa. As I would be mentoring a student going through something and like asking them the tough questions, I was like, what if I asked a business owner this about their business? Like that's going to get to the root of who they are as a business. And so it, it was one of those, and I still have that passion. Like I've traveled Every year since 2006, I've traveled over to the Czech Republic to do ministry as well. Um, this is probably going to be the first year since 2006 I don't get to go because of Corona. So I really want to find Corona and punch it in the butt <laughs> <laughs> because of that. But um, yeah, like that's still, it's still my passion. It's still a big part of, of who I am. I still preach at churches throughout the area. Um, I preach when I'm I'm over in the Czech Republic. Uh, I lead a small group out of my church and all that. Uh, ministry is still very much a part of of my heart and my DNA because it really is. It's all about. So I'm gonna backtrack and say this: like my personal purpose and mission. Put aside ministry. Put aside business. The reason I was created was to help people find their identity and calling. Because I went through such a um, a long season of discovering who I am and what my purpose was, um, and so that is that is my heart and passion: help you find your your identity and help you find your calling. And the way that's played out has been in ministry and in business. And so that's just that's just who I am, and it just plays out in marketing. And ministry, helping people to find those aspects, you know, for themselves. And so, yeah, that's, that's really a nutshell of who I am and what I do. Building a ministry is you're building an audience, right? You're getting people out there, you're teaching them, you're helping them grow same way that you're helping businesses. And you even related that with kind of telling about their identity through branding and through their messaging and the content they're putting out there. What are some common themes and principles about building an audience that you have found match up with both the marketing side of, of businesses, but then also within ministry? What are some things that you've learned from running businesses, but also running you know, uh, a ministry and being a part of that? Have you gained uh, knowledge about building an audience? Yeah, the the very first thing, and and I say this a lot on LinkedIn on the business side, but it's it works for both. You have to know your audience, like you have to know who your message is for. Um, that that is foundational, no matter what you're doing, whether it is ministry, whether it is business. You have to know your audience because when you look at a brand, a brand really is your identity communicated to a specific group of people. And I actually talked about that on LinkedIn recently, 
where it, your brand is your identity strategically communicated to a certain group of people. Because not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to buy your product or your service. And same with ministry. Not everyone's going to want to go to your church, your ministry. You have to find out who are the people that are most likely going to buy from you or join your ministry or be impacted by you. That's kind of step one. Step two, and really these go hand in hand, you have to know yourself. Um, the whole branding process is knowing, is discovering who you are as a business. It is, these are how I benefit you. This is my personality. Like it, when I when I do a brand process with a client, I'm asking questions like, what are the five adjectives you would use to describe your business? Not six, not four. You have to give me exactly five because I want you to wrestle through. I don't want a list of 20 because you're not going to be known for 20. And I don't want a list of four. I want you to really think through what are five adjectives. Um, because this is a brand is an identity. And so you have to know yourself. Like the whole branding process, it's <laughs> every every client, this is what's so funny. Every client comes to me afterwards and they're like, I'm so sorry. That was so messy and so difficult. And I'm like, that's the branding process. I was like, if this was easy and, and you made a decision after everything I sent and said, yes, that's good. That's good. I would turn around and say, you're not taking this seriously. And you don't know yourself. Like it has to be difficult. It has to be messy because it is discovering who you are and that doesn't come easily. So the two biggest things are know yourself. What is your personality? What is your identity? What is your purpose? What is your calling? Whatever word you want to use there. What are the benefits that you bring people? And then who are you for? What is, who is that target market? Who is that target audience that you're going after? If you know those two things, marketing gets a whole heck of a lot easier because it's, it's the mix of those two things that brings together like awesome marketing strategies to like all marketing is communicating a message to a specific group of people where they're at. So if you know who your target market is, that means you know what platforms they're on. So you know, like for me at Fusion Tech, the company I work for, ever, I see this all the time on LinkedIn. You need to be on TikTok. You need to be on TikTok from all these young people. I'm like, no, actually I don't. My target market is not on TikTok. They don't use it. And even if they do have an account to occasionally scroll through, they are not scrolling through looking for business stuff. They're scrolling through looking for to like disconnect from, from business. So I don't need to be on there. My demographic isn't there. Now, if I was working for a company selling stuff to Gen Z, you better believe I better be on that platform because that's where my audience is. It's why you need to know because I get clients all the time like, well, I saw people say, you got to be on TikTok. Should I be on there? I'm like, you are a financial planner that focuses on 35 and above. You do not need to be on TikTok right now. Like that's not the platform for you right now. Like you need to get on other platforms. So understanding if you want to build an audience, know yourself, know what you're good at. Like you're not going to see me do posts on sales. Now I've done sales. I can do posts on sales. I don't like, I don't like sales, so I'm not going to, but you're not going to see me writing about um, weather. You're not going to see me writing about like mental health issues. You're not going to see me writing about that kind of stuff. Cause that while, while I may, while I may understand mental health issues, while I may 
have some insight into that stuff. That is not, that is not who I am. That's not my specialty. Know who you are so you can limit down and focus your message and know who your target audience is. Those are the two biggest things. The third tip I would say is be consistent. You cannot be, you cannot show up one post whenever you feel like it and think, oh, I'm going to, I posted this and why didn't I get 300 people liking it? And why don't I have people buying my product? You posted once. Like there's not even a chance that it showed up in most people's feed, let alone build an audience. You have to show up. I have posted on LinkedIn since last March or April, whenever I started every day, every weekday minus there was a two week. Well, actually there's a two week period in July last year where I was in Germany for work and I had queued up posts that just pre-scheduled. So I still was on LinkedIn, wasn't active engaging, but I was still posting. The only other time I took down was when I went to the Czech Republic on my yearly trip. And then between Christmas and new year, I took that time down and was like, I'm not doing this between the holidays. I'm enjoying the time with my family. Um, other than that, it's been every weekday, sometimes even on the weekends for over a year. It's consistency. You have to show up. If you're not, I tell, when I do um, content consultations with people, so I, I also do content strategies where we'll sit down and figure out like specifically what you should post each day. One of the biggest things I tell them is if you are not going to commit to this for a year, don't even do it because you're just gonna be spinning wheels and wasting time and you're not gonna get any traction unless you're willing to do it for a minimum of a year. Now, for some people on LinkedIn that are even further along than me, they've been doing it consistently for two, three years. It's like, if you want those numbers, you have to be consistent. There's no, there's no shortcut. There's no, well, if I just post on Mondays, I'll be okay. No, yeah. people will forget you within a week. You have to be consistent. Yeah. No, I love that. You stole my question, which was okay. how, have, how, have, how if you st- how has staying consistent helped you build your your brand and serve your clients? So you already answered yeah. it. You're good. Well, I would I would add one thing to that. Like when you are consistent, it does two things. It builds you as an authority on what you're speaking on. Because if I showed up once in a great while and had a post, that doesn't mean that I know that information. I could have read someone's book and be regurgitating what I'm writing. But if you're posting consistently for a year, it shows, okay, you're not stealing other people's content. I mean, you still could, I guess, but it's more of a, it shows that you have a deeper understanding of this stuff. And so it gives you a little bit more authority. Plus it makes people trust you. Like if I can show up and post on LinkedIn every day, That means when I tell them, hey, I will have your brand or I'll have your logo to you by this day, they can trust me because I'm consistent. Because I'm not one of these people that shows up once in a while and disappears for a week and then shows up again. And even when I do take time down, I do a post and I say, hey, just so you all know, I'm taking the next two weeks down. I will be back. This is just a break. I need a break. This is what's going on. But I don't just disappear in that post. Because it's, it's more of this, I grew up in a household. We grew up, uh, we lived with my grandparents growing up. And my grandpa taught my brother and I, you be a man of your word. Even if it's difficult, 
even if you say, hey, I'm going to show up at this time to help you, if someone else comes along with something better, something that's more fun, something that you'd rather do, you gave your word, that's what you do, even if you don't want to do it, because that's how you build trust. And so this idea of consistency, it helps people to trust you because you're there. Like you, you're showing that you're someone who can stick with something and not just like halfway through a project be like, oh, this is too hard, I'm done. No, even when it's hard, I'm going to show up. And that's what, that's what consistency shows you or shows other people. After the break, Jason tells us how he started his side hustle of shift marketing and how it's grown beyond just a side project. This show is sponsored by Gatozi Collective. We are a marketing agency based in Austin, Texas that is a personal marketing team to many businesses. We create photo and video content delivered to you each month to save you time and a massive headache when you're planning your social media for the month. If planning's too much for you, we can also run your social media accounts to give you more time to grow your business. You can visit our website at www.gatozicollective.com. Now, let's get back to the show. We all love tax breaks and helping out friends. Jason helped local businesses and friends he knew in town with small branding projects. But when his online audience took off, so did this small side hustle. His CPA had him start an actual business. So I am the marketing director of a food processing equipment manufacturer. That's a mouthful to say. Um, and, and really, so I've been doing, I've been there for six years and the the shift kind of came out of just a weird situation um so for probably 15 years now i the, the area where i live i am like the only marketing person in this entire area there aren't a lot of like marketing strategists because i'm in rural illinois there aren't a lot of businesses here so there aren't a lot of marketers here and so what would happen was I would have people that I knew from previous jobs that would need something designed or they would need help understanding like, okay, I need to grow my business. What should I do? Help me with the strategy. And so I was doing a lot of that kind of work on the side already. And it was back in, let me see, this is 2020. So it was back in 2017, I believe, 2016, where um, I had booked quite a few. There was like a lot of businesses in the area that all of a sudden needed help. And so typically I was only bringing in a few thousand a year. So my accountant was like, just tack it on as income and you're fine. But that year was going to be about 15,000 extra. And they were like, you know, it would be really smart if you just set up a DBA, had your own checking account. You can keep track of the expenses better that way. So you can get deductions. So I really launched at that point, a company called Reach 36, hated the name, hated the brand I came up with, didn't really advertise it because it was more of a, I'm just doing this for the tax benefit, not really because I want to start a business. Um, but then what happened was last year, 2019, um, I, so I had been doing, I had been leading a nonprofit from 2002 to 2019, like summer of 2019. I was working with college students and in the fall, I decided, you know what, it's it's time for me, it's been 18 years, it's time for me to put that aside. Like that's not where I see 
me going in the future. And so it opened up a lot of time for me to actually focus on the business side. And so really what happened, and this is, this is how I got my first few clients and really what solidified it for me was in March of last year, I started posting regularly, March or April, I started posting regularly on LinkedIn. Um, I started with focusing on a lot of personal development because that's what the nonprofit I was running was based on. It was faith-based, but it dealt with a lot of personal development and growth and all that kind of stuff. And so that's what I started writing on. And I was like, I enjoy this, but I don't wanna be a life coach. I don't want people to be like, hey, come fix my life. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, and that, that, that's not where I want the money to come from. And so I realized, you know what, maybe, maybe it would be a good idea to switch and focus on the marketing side because that's what I do for a living. That's where I have a lot of experience. And so I did. And through that, just posting, and I mean, you've, you've seen my post. So, you know, I try to do a lot of very practical here's how you do it. My, my strategy is I'm going to teach you how to do for yourself what you could hire me to do for you. And you're going to realize it's way too difficult if you're not a marketer and you're going to want to hire me because I showed you how to do it. So, you know, I know what I'm doing. So that, that was my strategy. I'm like, I'm just going to put out content until people start noticing me and say, Hey, I want some help. And I think it was in a few, it was in a few months. I had some people uh, really some some decently well-known names on LinkedIn that contacted me were like, hey, I need help with my content. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I should focus on. And so I kind of started just doing these content consultations where I would sit with an hour with you and we would come up with a strategy of what you should focus on. I'd give you content ideas of things you could do and really help people narrow it down. And I had like, I did one or two, and then all of a sudden it was like 10 to 15 all within a month. And I was like, I'm onto something here. And so that's when it was after the first few of those that people were like, well, I also need help with a brand or I need help with, you know, I, I've got this product I want to market. And then I realized, well, I'm actually a marketing strategist. Like that's what I do is come up with strategies to help businesses grow their marketing. I was like, I should maybe do some marketing consultations and try that. So I started doing that. And I remember, I, I think I did my first marketing consultation in, I think it was September or October last year. And I only charged $50. Cause I was oh my like, goodness, I that's know, I know. nothing that that is nothing. <laughs> but see that I did the content consultations for a hundred. And with the content consultations, I was giving you a PDF that had LinkedIn best practices and it had everything we talked about distilled in a format that you could just like tick off and follow. So I was like, I'm not doing that with the marketing thing. The marketing thing, I'm just going to record and give you the Zoom recording. So I was like, I'm not going to charge that much. So now I charge like $300 for both of them. Um, and those prices will probably be going up because I did a marketing consultation with someone last month and they're like, you should be charging a thousand dollars for this. Yeah, I was like, we'll, we'll talk after what? this interview. Yeah, we'll <laughs> talk after this interview. We'll get your we'll get your pay grade up. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, wow, okay. Um, but so so really though, my strategy is the the consultations are the opening door. It's where I kind of show, hey, I know what I'm doing, and then after the consultation, you get a proposal 
And that's where I land. Like after I've given you a strategy and helped you understand how this works. And I say, here, here's a proposal for me to do it for you. Most people are like, yeah, I'm going to hire you because you just laid it all out for me. So it was more of a, it actually started more as a lead gen tool. Um, so I guess I need to take that back. They started for free. I did the first few for free. And then I realized like I was getting a lot of the people who wanted free marketing help, but were never going to buy it. Like we're never going to hire me to do anything. And I was like, man, I'm going to start charging. And so I did that first one for $50. Like, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know if anyone's going to buy this. And all of a sudden it was like, my calendar was booked up with $50 consultations. I was like, I need to up this because this is ridiculous. So, so yeah, that's kind of how it really was all content. That's how I got my first. Now I book like branding, like I do branding projects for people where I come up with their messages and their logos and all that and websites and full marketing strategies and pay-per-click ads and all that kind of stuff. But it all started with content and doing a consultation. Um, and that's how I got my clients. And that's really how I still get my clients that and referrals now as people, as they hire me to do stuff and they're happy, they're like, oh my gosh, I told everyone I know about you. And I'm like, good, thank you. <laughs> if you need any more help, I will give you a discount. <laughs> the internet is a beautiful place where you can live anywhere in the world. And if you have Wi-Fi, you can own a business. The strength of the internet has helped Jason have clients that live beyond his town in Illinois. And to be honest, when I kind of first started um, doing this on the side and getting some side clients like years ago, it did felt kind of constraining because most of my clients were from this area. And so, as I said, there aren't a lot of bigger businesses that are going to invest in good marketing here. So there wasn't a lot to pull from. So it was more of a side, like if I get a few few clients, I'm good with that, just shows people. Um, but as things have like, as more platforms have gotten bigger, like say I graduated college in 2002. So there was no Facebook, there was no TikTok, there was no Snapchat, there, Twitter wasn't there. Like MySpace was still a thing. Um, and so, when I kind of first stepped into all this and had some people saying, Hey, I want work. There really wasn't a place to go to get work through the internet like that. Um, unless you had your own website. And so as these social media platforms came out and I learned them and I, I started using them to help different businesses, you know, market themselves. That's where I would just like post up. Here's a logo I designed for someone. Here's like, an ad I did for someone. And I started getting a few, few clients from, like I had a client from Brazil that somehow saw a logo I did. And I'm like, how did you, and she was on Twitter. And I was like, how did you, how did you even find me? Cause we weren't like following each other. We weren't connected. You just happened to see a logo I designed. And so that's kind of when I realized, all right, I can do this even working, like living here, I can still get clients from, from around the world. But it really wasn't until I got more active on LinkedIn that it really took off because you don't like Facebook wasn't bringing a lot in. I would post ad or post like logos and stuff I'd done and people would be like, Oh, that's great. I love that. But it wasn't because Facebook's organic reach has crashed, especially on like a business page. Um, 
people just weren't, they weren't seeing it unless I wanted to pay for it. And I'm like, I'm not trying to grow a business, so I'm not going to pay for it at that point. And so once I got on LinkedIn and saw the power of like, this is a platform of professionals looking for professional help. This is the platform to be on. Um, that's where, I mean, I've got clients from California, from Texas, from Oak Brook, Illinois, which actually isn't far from me. Um, I had a few from like Colorado area. Uh, let me see. One, yeah, another one from California. So yeah, like it's, I'm, I'm reaching people from multiple different states, multiple different, even some from out of country, just through the internet. And so like none of my current clients are local besides a little bit of work I did for a friend of mine who owns a business in town. I just, I did uh, some stuff for a Facebook page or whatever. And, and, but you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't one of those things that's like, Ooh, I can go full time now. <laughs> it wasn't a big job. So normally the bigger stuff comes from outside of my area and platforms like LinkedIn uh, make that possible. Because you write a lot and I admire your writing a lot. How important is writing for marketing and building your personal brand, no matter what industry you are in? It is. Um, and I think most good marketers would say this too. It is the most important thing. Like above everything else, you need to be able to write well. Um, I've studied a lot of the, the marketing greats of old. Um, people like David Ogilvy, who was... Um, led in an awesome advertising agency, like one of the most successful ones. He's He wrote a book, um, Ogilvy on Advertising, which was basically, he distilled all his knowledge on advertising into a book, which I'm like, this is dope. I get to like, the man is long gone and dead before I was born and I get to like learn from his knowledge. And one of the things, so this is why, this is why copywriting is so important. If you think back to the 50s and 60s and 70s, there was no internet. There was no, hey, visit this website, fill out this form, we'll get you the information right away. There was no online chats or anything like that. Most of these ads, what they would do is they it would look more like an article. It was some kind of header, a picture, and then all the rest of it was text. And the call to action, this is, this is how you know the writing was good. The call to action was cut out this form, fill it out in your own envelope, your own stamp, fill, you know, label the envelope, stamp it, mail this thing, wait about a week, sometimes two weeks before we get your form, we can respond to your form and send you the information. So you could be waiting two, three weeks. Plus, I mean, think of how lazy we are today. Like, Marketers have to get people to click a link. And there's times where people won't click a link. Marketers back in the 50s and 60s had to get them to fill out a form, fill out an envelope, stamp it, run to the post office, drop it in a mailbox, and then wait three weeks before they heard anything. And yet they sold and they sold through copy. And that's the, I, I even, I did a post, gosh, this is probably months ago, where I even said, when it comes down to it, I can take crappy design with good copywriting and still sell. But you will never take good design and crappy copywriting and sell. 
You can have the best looking website in the world, but if the copy on it is crap, if it's not on point to your target market, if it's not explaining the benefits, if it's not good copy, I don't care how awesome the design is, it's not gonna convert. Copy converts. Think of all the ways that writing is used in marketing. It is in advertising, it is in emails, it is on websites, it is, I mean, even, if you even look at video, the copywriting video is the actual script. So like, if you if you are good at copywriting, there is nothing in marketing that you can't do. Like you can be the social media guy, you can be the web guy, you can be the branding guy, you can be the content guy, you can be the ad guy, because all of it hinges on copy. If you can't, if you cannot write, and if you don't take the time to invest in writing and like learning from people and and practicing your writing, you will never be successful at marketing. There is no way. The greatest, most successful marketers know how to write. That's, I love that. That's the most important thing. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, boom. I mean, that's that's it right there. I mean. The fact that, I mean, we're struggling to get people to click a link, right? To go to our website, check out this podcast, whatever it is. And people like Ogilvy were able to, to get people to do more than just that. And it was all through writing. And that's just mind-blowing. Well, and he, he actually had this, this, like, test to see how good the copy was. And it was this, like, you have to write copy so well that someone sitting in their house on a, in a snow blizzard, comfortable, right in front of the fire, all cozy, would want what you're offering so bad that they would bundle up, they would go scrape off the car, they would take the drive to the post office to mail in this form and come back because it was that good. And so imagine the level of copywriting to get someone to get their, like when it's snowing outside, the only time I leave my house is if it's like I'm going to work or there's some event I'm going to that I just really, 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 really want to go to. Otherwise, it's like I am staying home and I am not leaving this house. And his test was you have to write copy so well that someone would brave the snow to fill out your form and get it mailed in because they didn't want to wait till the next day. Like. The copy I see today from most advertisers, I'm like, I don't even want to click a link and have the form pre-filled out for me and hit the submit button. Like, let alone get out of my house on a snowy day and go drop something in the mail when I could wait till tomorrow. Like, that's the level of copy you need to be at to really, really sell and to really market. I finish off the podcast with a segment called Open Mic. This is a chance for my guests to share anything they want. A lot of times, I feel like people get stuck behind the industry that they are in, but we are all human and have other interests outside of that. So this is a space for my guests to say whatever they want to say. I believe to my core, it's important for you as a person, and it's important for you as a brand and as a corporate brand. Who you are becoming is more important than what you're doing or where you're going. And that is true for you as a person and for you as a brand. Who you are becoming, the person, like talking from a personal standpoint, you can have all the success in the world, you can travel the world, you can like 
be Bill Gates level wealthy. You could be Elon Musk level wealthy, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos, whoever you want to name, Oprah. You can be all that wealthy, but if you are not dealing with the stuff inside, if you are not working on yourself, becoming a better version of who you are and trying to become the person you're created to be, none of it's going to matter. Like some of the richest people in the world feel miserable because they haven't dealt with what's inside. And so while, and this is, this is kind of the balance because I do give a lot of practical advice to, to business owners and that I, that's part of my brand. That's what's in, that's what I feel is important for a lot of my target market. But ultimately the tactics don't matter if you aren't focusing on who you're becoming. It is an identity and a purpose issue. Like that is the most important aspect of who you are. And for so many people, we push who we're coming beside because we're worried about what are what website are we building or how do we get the next customer in or here's my to-do list for the next week that's so long that most people wouldn't even be able to complete it in a lifetime and I'm going to try to get it done in a week. Like we're so focused on the do, 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 do that we forget that really where success comes from, where happiness comes from, where the fulfillment is going to come from is when we deal with who we are becoming. When we focus on, because really, if you think about it, you could spend your entire life building a brand, but if your character sucks, if you are a liar, if you are a cheat, if you are a scoundrel, even, even if you aren't like, like a super liar, if you just like, okay, I deal with some insecurity, so I'm going to lie a little bit so I feel better about myself, even that kind of stuff will come back and bite you in the butt if you don't deal with it. And so I've seen, I've seen it in ministry. I've seen it in businesses where the character of the person in charge was not developed strong enough, like high enough to deal with their level of success. And so what happens is they steal from the company, they lie, they're cheating people. Even if they're not doing that, they end up having an affair. They do, they do any number of these things that puts their character in question. And then people stop trusting them. Their business fails, their ministry fails, all because they focus more on what they were doing and what they looked like and really who they were becoming as a person. And so you can have a lot of success following a checklist, but if your character isn't developed, your character will destroy everything you built. Even if it was 30 years building a brand can be gone like that because of your character. So the most important thing as a person, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a marketer, as any level of this, you have to deal and grow your character. That is the most important thing. If you can do that, you will be far more successful than any other person because one, you're going to be truer to who you are and you're going to understand that like my my vision of success for my life is not Jeff Bezos. I don't want that lifestyle. My my vision of success for me is not even being a multimillionaire. Now that would be cool. I'm not, if, if, if all of a sudden I start making millions of dollars, I'm not going to be like, I don't want this, take it. Like I'll gladly take it. But my vision of success for my life, what, when I am on my deathbed, looking back and saying, did I have a good life or did I, do I regret my life? Has nothing to do with the amount of money I make. Has nothing to do with the business I built. And so that's where it, it it's important to focus on who you're becoming.
because if you don't, this is this is the tricky thing. If you don't, if you don't do it, someone else will give you their vision of success for you, and you will end up becoming someone that you don't even like. You'll end up becoming someone that like you'll be pursuing a level of what you a definition of what you think success should look like that really you don't even want. And I see this all the time in business owners that it's like, this is, that's not the, you don't want to be Amazon. Like just listening and talking to you, you don't want, like, in all honesty, like I've had people ask me, why don't you just start an agency? Why don't you just hire a bunch of people and start an agency? It's like, that's not, that's not this, that's not success to me. Success to me is I'm working for myself, like more the, the consultant, freelancer, I don't really want to be a freelancer, but more of the, I have a business, but I'm more of a consultant. Um, and I have a network of freelancers or a few, few people on staff that do the implementation. I'm not looking to build an Ogilvy type ad agency. I'm not looking to build this agency where I have a big fancy office and 20 employees respond to me. That's not success to me. And so I'm not going to do the same things that an agency like that's going to do. You need to know who you want to become because that's going to define success for you as a person, for a business. It's going to define your character, where, what you need to develop, like what you need to work on. And so who you are becoming is more important than what you're doing or where you're going. Get that, get that lodged in your head and it will change how you view everything else in your life. This conversation with Jason taught me the importance of understanding myself as a person and leader. I also see that writing is a skill that needs to be learned if you want to create an audience around your business or idea. You can follow Jason on LinkedIn and Twitter and sign up for his weekly marketing newsletter at shift without an I, S-H-F-T, marketing, shiftmarketing.com. All of the links to find Jason will be in the show notes. Thank you, Jason, for being on the show. If you like this show, tweet me at Matthew Gatozzi. And if you really love this show, drop a rating on Apple Podcasts or your podcast listening app. A rating helps me build my audience around this show. So thank you in advance, and I will talk to you next week.